The sermon message this morning is from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, I ask for the direct operation and influence of the Holy Spirit on every single person on this Zoom call, every single person in our worship. Because every one of us stands in the deepest need of your spirit. This meeting will this this message will be pointless. Father, what are we going to do in the word? What will be the point of talking about peace? We're hoping for peace, your peace with us. If you, Holy Spirit, don't do the work. Come and do the work we cannot do. Change our hearts. Make us want good things. Come make us want to want good things. And transform us in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm reminded, uh, it, it's, it's almost, it, could it be more timely? We're here in John, uh, and we are suddenly uh, forced, as it were. Uh, we are right, it, 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 we're, we're, we are kind of given this topic. Peace. Peace. Peace, bro. Peace. Peace out. Peace. Peace be with you. Peace. Peace. And I guess, you know, as I, as I was thinking about this, the hunger in our culture, in a hunger in our society, in our own personal hunger, seems to have got, gotten almost ravenous, right? I mean, there's like, a, we're so thirsty, we're so hungry, we're so, we're so in need of, of peace. Just give me some peace, some peace. Uh, and, and maybe we all need different things even when we say it. So sometimes we're thinking inwardly, sometimes we're thinking outwardly, sometimes, and, and and what I want us to do today is we're going to go towards this biblical idea of peace. I'm going to pull up the pull up the text here and put, put up uh, put up the um, put it up here on the on up for us from my PowerPoint, so we can uh, dive into this question of peace and the peace that's in the scriptures. Now, oh gosh, that doesn't that's not what I want. There we go. All right. On the that day in the first, so we're here with peace. Peace be with you. Peace. Now, the thesis of this text and this message will be that his person, the person of the Holy Spirit, brings and creates in us peace, his peace, and his peace drives his purposes. And, and, and this is, it, it really kind of rolls out of the text here. Now, last week I told you we were going to be hovering over John 20 because there's more going on here than appears on the surface. Like we're in this and maybe, maybe even a little bit bored. Uh, maybe just like, well, why are we here again? Why, why are we visiting this again? Last week we rocketed forward 50 days. Remember, 50 days forward from this point. 
to Pentecost to look at Acts 2.42, which shapes and informs the vision of our church. And we looked at how what the Spirit creates, what the Spirit creates, the devotion and the disciples, the, the apostles. And so now we're looking at, now I want to look at this moment in time after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I, okay, so I, we just read this, and maybe the vignette, this picture of Jesus appearing, it's kind of magical, it's kind of mysterious, it's kind of uh, amazing, right? It's locked, and, and he appears, and we're introduced again to the strange nature of resurrected flesh. If things are changing, things are strange, and 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 he comes and he and he says it twice. Peace, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And uh, I think we might we might undersell what's going on here. We might undersell it because we might not see how 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 momentous an event's happening in these just these few little verses. And we might not be aware of the, uh, even the scope uh, and the scale of God's majesty and his plan. Really, we might miss it. Look at this. Look at, look at verse 22. Look at the language here in verse 22. I want to call your attention to it. Christ breathes on them. Now, breath, this word here for breath is the same word as spirit. So breath and spirit right here, they're the same word. The same word, they're the same word in Greek as they are in Hebrew. Now, put your put your Bible thinking cap on. When, when when was the last time Christ breathed on somebody? When did anybody can anybody name can anybody identify biblically a moment where Christ breathes on somebody? I can't think of one. Well, I can't think of one in the Gospels. Can you think of what I'm thinking of though? Because this is John. John is up to something. See, you don't. You might not see it because you're reading this as a story and you've read it before, but you have, you probably have missed the scale. I'll tell you where we see Christ having done this before. I'll show you. Because John in John 1 told us that through him, all that has been made was made. And, with, and nothing that has been made was made without him. John 1. In Genesis 2-7, we have... God, our Father, the description of how we came to be human, of how we came to be people, living and uh, aware, self-aware, sentient beings, how we became what we are. Then God, the I Am, formed man of the dust of the ground. And what happened? Look, breathed into his nostrils. You see this here? Breathed into his nostrils. That's the spirit, the breath of the spirit of life. And man became a living creature. You see, John, John intends, and, and of course, you know, we have such small visions of Jesus. Now, we, we, Jesus is just not, he just doesn't stand in majesty like he does here. <laughs> and, and, and we see him, he is, he breathes the Holy Spirit on the disciples. And in that moment, in that upper room, on that day of resurrection, what do you, what, do, what is really happening? What's the scale that's really happening? This is as big a moment as when God created man. Redemption, salvation in Jesus is as glorious and as great and as uh, stupendous an event as what? The creation of the universe and redemption are have the same sort of stature. And that's kind of amazing. And, and, it, and it really takes that moment in the upper room, that, that moment when he goes in the locked door, and, and you suddenly get, oh, 
like you weren't really you weren't it's almost like kind of jolty you weren't really prepared for this were you we weren't prepared for what is really being claimed now some of you when you came to christ what happened you entered the scale of the scope of the creative power of almighty god from the beginning <laughs> every time somebody becomes a christian what is happening but an echo and a re-echo of the new creation the old is gone the new is come we are the mem- this is the first day, Resurrection Day, that Sunday, the first day of a new week. And we are being introduced to a new week of creation, and the new creation is happening now. Did you ever guess at the scale, the scale of God's love? Because when I do this, and this is why I want to preach on this today, and even speak about it, because scale, this scale introduces us to hope. And, we, and, and right now we're in a time of lack of hope, a death of hope. You know, what is COVID but the day of low expectations, right? We don't expect much. And, 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 but, but we're even afraid to expect anything. And then this, oh, God, just and almost like God's breath and his word, which is his breath. And the spirit, if he's here now, it breathes. And you can almost, oh, I just want to oh, fill us with hope. Fill us with oh, Yes, breathe on us, son of God. Breathe on us precious, huh? It breathes and gives us hope. I want you to be captured. Let your heart be captured by the scope of God's love. And having begun at creation, he intended that he would would finish the job with a recreation. It is a wonderful, and you are caught up in that scope. Hope for more. And and, and, And give up the day of low expectations for God. But also, because that's sin, have low expectations for God. But also give up the day of low expectations for yourself. Give up the day of low expectations for yourself. What do I mean by this? Well, we're at this moment Christ breathes on the disciples, right? Some, he, is, he is setting into action something that, that he knows will be repeated again and again. And that is that the Holy Spirit will go into them and the Holy Spirit from them will go into other. It'll be a constant, it'll be a Holy Spirit flow. We looked at the flow last week. A Holy Spirit flow that's happening. And, and now what's going to happen to you and me? Well, this is kind of remarkable. Whoever believes in me, the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And there's a picture here that in the great scope of the plan of God's redemption, you have been recreated and recreated in such a way that you are now a source of life. You see, the day of low expectations, which I think we've all kind of fallen into, is really just a day of, of, not, of not listening to God's love and hope for us. It's believing it's it's thinking that COVID really has limited, it can, but it can't. Nothing can nothing can rein him in, and nothing can rein in his work in you. And I, and I say that I think I think this low expectation bar that we have about what God can do with us or others is just plain wrong on the a bald wrong. Let us now let us now hope and dare hope, not only for others but for ourselves and for what God will do. This is where he answered prayer and getting in there and getting good. Oh. Yes. So I, I so this first idea is, is there's a there's a the person of the Holy Spirit comes. 
And this person, the spirit, he, he, he changes everything. And now new possibility for you and the possibilities of God. With God, all things are possible. Now everything is open and game. And because the spirit is in play. And we have a person in the spirit who brings us the person of Jesus even more, even more dearly and intimately and fully. Oh, praise him. This is a moment for you and for me to have hope. Now, what if you don't know God? What if you don't know God yet? What if you still haven't trusted Jesus? Well, it's not just about a person. This person to Jesus and the person of the Holy Spirit does something. He brings, he has a deliverable. He has, a, he has something he produces that you may want. You may be seeking in this invitation to you. And that is, this person brings peace. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. So good, he said it twice, right? Twice. <laughs> so nice, he said it twice. But, but that don't, don't miss this. Repetition in the Bible is not merely because God thinks we're hard of hearing or, or because uh, he repeats himself. Uh, it's not really what's going on here. Actually, uh, repetition in Hebrew has a very, very different very di it actually is a grammatical construction and the grammatical construction actually uh, when you repeat something you're saying it's perfect to double down is to perfect and you will we're going to see that in isaiah and jeremiah here in a second but peace be with you so christ comes out and the double peace in hebrew is perfect peace isaiah 26 he will keep you in perfect peace that's peace peace in hebrew peace repeated twice and it's the same language Christ is using here. Peace be with you. Now, right out the door, I almost, I almost fear preaching about this because I think 99% of us only hear well-wishing. Like, you know, like, like, all right, so peace, bro. Peace out. Peace be with you. Isn't Jesus a nice guy? And in fact, maybe some of us hear it and almost hear this. Um, we almost hear, have a nice day. <laughs> have a nice day. Like it sounds like a greeting. And I want you to hear it. I want you to hear it new and fresh. This is not a greeting. Oh my goodness. This is Christ Almighty risen from the death, dead who has forged peace. His words are peace. He is peace incarnate, you see. He is peace walking. He is peace personified. He is peace forged in his blood. This is peace. Oh, this is not well-wishing, is it? This is not salutary. It's not merely, merely. oh no. It's not even just goodwill and hope. What is it? It's, it's blood and tears. And so uh, we have to get away from that idea of peace. Now, you know, it's funny. It's not just in the modern world. In the, in the ancient world, they had people who would try to claim peace that wasn't real. Jeremiah warned about it. They have healed the wound of my people, lightly saying, peace, peace. Now, when Hebrew repeats a word, what are they saying? Perfection. In other words, people were claiming perfect peace, but it was just a lie. It was just a sham. And so, so much of us, that is true. And I would claim, if you don't know Christ, that that is all you've had. That is all you've been able to find, this momentary transit, tra transit uh, to almost fleeting uh, tastes of maybe some peace here and there, but always leaving, always scrambling, always never perfect. And then really, it's just something you say. It's not something real. Is that true for you? Is that true for you? 
then Christ has come to do something beautiful. There's an answer to Jeremiah 6, 14 in that peace, peace when there is no peace. And that's this. He will keep him. You will keep him. You will keep him, says Isaiah. You're talking to God the Father. You will keep him in what? In perfect peace. In the original Hebrew, it says, peace, peace. Just like Jesus said, peace be with you. Peace be with you. I almost wondered for a moment when I was studying this that Jesus didn't have Isaiah 26 in mind. Because I... It, it, it's so striking. The peace, peace. It's like it's like Jesus is saying, I am fulfilling Isaiah 26. It's kind of remarkable. I, I think there might be some intention in that. But but perfect peace. Now, now I'm intrigued by this because now we're getting introduced to depth. What is this peace? So the shalom, that's the Hebrew word for peace, shalom. The shalom is meant to be not just merely transcended peace, but peace as integration of all parts of your life, social, moral, interpersonal, inward, outer, upward, downward, with animals, with, with nature, with peace. It's, it, it has, in the Hebrew, such a comprehensive, overwhelming uh, uh, concept to it. It, 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 it. It's wholeness. And what is wholeness? Perfect peace. And this is what we want is for when Isaiah 26, 3 is promising us. You will keep him in peace, peace, the person whose mind is fixed on you because he trusts in you. What am I asking you to do today? First and foremost, put your trust in Jesus. Now, all of your trust, some of you have known trust, trusted Jesus, but it's not all your trust. You're not looking for him for perfect peace. You're still looking elsewhere. But this is a comprehensive thing. It's, a, it's harmony and integration in who you are. Don't you want? I want that. I want that. I want all the parts and pieces of my life and, and, and who I am to, to, to make sense together, right? And to work together. And, and, and the Bible is so beautiful about this. But where does it always begin? All peace begins. He himself is our peace in his flesh, reconciling us to God. This is from Ephesians 2. And the reconciliation, he preaching peace, kills hostility, peace to those far. Peace, you hear the peace, peace? Look at the, oh, look at the, oh, look at this. Two times again. I'm telling you, I, I think these are allusions to that passage. But, um, um, but anyway, well, where am I here? Oh, he himself is our peace. So what is this first peace that we must know if, we, if we're going to know God? It's a peace between God and humans. The most, the source of everything that happened last week or anything that happens this week in our culture and the source of your disquiet with your neighbor and the fact that you don't get along with your husband and the fact that you can't stand yourself and the fact that you hate other people, whatever it may be, these are all find their source and root in one sin and one great place. And that's separation from God. Rebellion, moral distortion, failure, judgment, and death all have served to create a gulf between God and humans that cannot be crossed except by the cross of Jesus Christ. And when we have faith in Christ, we trust in him, he keeps us in perfect peace. Peace is now forged between God and man because your biggest problem and my biggest problem and the world's biggest problem is the judgment of God, the judgment of God on sin. And to be out of accord with God and to be out of, out of sync with him, to not be at peace with God, it eliminates peace with each other, peace to yourself, peace with everything. 
because God made all things and holds all things. You've got to get this peace and live in this peace at the cross in order to understand anything else. Now, this can be, this can take a mystery. This is something that the Holy Spirit, that person of the Spirit has to reveal this peace to you. So ask him to. Like, if you're just sitting here listening to me, and you've really not understood Christianity, and you're kind of scratching your head, and you're like, gosh, I love this idea of being a fountain of living water. That's kind of cool. And that's amazing. That Can I be recreated? Because I don't like who I am. Okay, well, call out for a peace you can't understand with God. Begin there. And then what happens? Well, the Bible talks about all those other kinds of shalom and peace, doesn't it? All right, let's take a look. He himself is our peace. Now, now we're just looking at this text. That's uh, when these are the red bits that we were looking at before. Look at the blue, blue, blue parts. This is a really important passage of the Bible because it's talking about the racial conflict between Jews and Gentiles. Us both one is Jews and Gentiles. One new man is Jews and Gentiles making peace. One body, us into one body, is Jews and Gentiles into one person. For through him we both... That's that's Gentiles and 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 uh, and, and uh, Jews. Uh, preach peace to you who are far off, and to peace to those who are near, far off and near. What is that? That is uh, Jews and Gentiles. How wonderful! How wonderful! How so wonderful that the Bible prepares us for the conflicts of our day, right? Because what's being argued here is that there is nothing but hostility between humans ultimately because because they don't because they won't submit to God they can't possibly love each other and so there's nothing but hostility between them between Jews and Gentiles you can put Jews over here and Gentiles in the early church and uh, you, but you can put anything in here between humans and so and, and you can put different racial groups ethnic groups it doesn't anything you want and you, what do you do between us we have hostility suspicion racism distrust and betrayal this is all this world produces over and over and over again, even as it tells you it loves peace. But look at here. Look at these arrows go up. What happens as you ascend the triangle, as you pursue Christ in the cross in the gospel? This is what, Christ, this is what Paul's saying here. He's saying that we, by, by reconciling us both to God, he's made us one. And so hope, 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 for, hope for racial reconciliation. Hope for reconciliation of people with, with just different personalities or, or different attitudes or political parties lies where? In a greater and greater love and worship of Jesus Christ. That's right. Christ and a love for the cross and an identity in it and nowhere else. Praise him. So peace and the possibility of peace between us is forged as we worship. It's an amazing possibility, isn't it? And the reason I love this possibility, I love this diagram, is because you're you're working it as long as you're focused on Christ. He will keep you in peace, peace, perfect peace, whose mind is what? Fixed on you. Stayed on him. Stayed upon Jehovah. I, I don't know if you know that old song. Heart. Oh, I just remembered it. Stayed upon Jehovah. Oh, what a great song. Uh, but that's that's quoting that Isaiah 26. Stayed upon Jehovah. Stayed upon the I am. Fixed upon him is hope for peace. So where peace isn't happening between humans, even Christians, let's say, I'll tell you what, we can always find what the root of it begins at. It begins where Christ is not, and the Holy Spirit are not central, right? The person, because the person brings peace. Peace isn't, can't happen apart from the person. All right, uh, what's the third piece coming? It's the peace of God, 
surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul even is so in love with the peace of God and has such an objective reality, right? God and man, and for that it can it can be personified. Peace of God is being personified here. It can surpass and it can guard. And, and, and it's being person and peace is so powerful, it can be an active principle of an inward reality. This third part is where is a bridge we need to make and a bridge we need to cross in our own hearts, between our head and our hearts, right? Where we're connecting what we know about God's peace with the inner person of the heart. You know, I, want, I was, I was going to give you a, a little, there's a little illustration of that, and I, I thought it was kind of helpful. But living in grace, living in the constant, constant, unrelenting, beautiful grace of God. Well, I was watching a show, and it was about a coach, and, and he was telling his players, um, and he would say, Do you, what's the attention span of a goldfish? And, uh, and if you know, the, the attention span of a goldfish is, is, there's a meme out there that is three seconds. And that's actually not true. Goldfish actually have a surprising amount of memory. They can actually remember things for months, we found out. But in that, in, in the coach is telling his team, uh, you know, goldfish has a very short span of attention and uh, can't, can't remember anything. So it's always living in the moment. That's kind of cool, right? And so they had just failed a, a big match and he tells them, be the goldfish. Just don't think about it. Just keep going forward. And I think God invites us into living that way. He has, you know, forgetting what lies behind. That's a direct quote from the New Testament. We are called by the Spirit to forget what lies behind. You know, like, how can we do? We can in the peace forged at the cross. If it's a peace outside us, it can be a peace inside us. And part of how we live in that peace, in the, in the freshness and freedom of God's love, is to realize how constant it is. And at the moment you sin, you might as well just forget about it. Confess it. Confess it to God. Then forget about it. Move on. Move on to the glory. Move on to move on to peace. Oh yeah, right away, over and over again. Be that simple little goldfish, <laughs> and fix your heart and mind on Jesus. Yeah, just be simple in your faith and trusting. This this peace is so big. It's so integrated. Remember, shalom goes upward. It goes everywhere. And I love how Connie uh, was talking about that. Just in her, we're in prayer. She's asking about how creative writing connects with creativity. Well, our creativity is one of the ways we represent, we reflect the image of God in us. And what is that but us in creation? And even as we enjoy creation, uh, and, and we become, we become. Uh, there's peace there. Uh, the Romans eight's uh, talking about this. The creation was subject to futility. It doesn't have peace, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and attain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Peace. You know, part of the peace of God is just peace of nature. You know, it, it, recycling can be holy if it's done for Christ. Yeah. Because you're honoring, you're honoring the creation he made. And, and, and these actions and these passions about our carbon footprint and things like that, they're not primary moral issues. They're tertiary. But they're still implied. They're still entailed. It is a perfect peace, right? It is a peace that moves and cuts all ways. And we have to do this. I, you know, Tao, uh, my wife was just was, was, was really advocating for that just in our house. And I, I think, it, you know, being concerned about nature is a way that God's peace is growing in us. That we need to all the and we need to integrate all four of those. 
from God, from others, from ourselves, from nature, and all of them together are what? Some of the harmonious and beautiful, reconciling, restoring peace of the Holy Spirit and the gospel. Oh, I love this stuff. I want this peace. And I want us to experience it. And so, uh, but so, so how shall we experience it? Let's get a little, let's see if we can get even a little more practical in our, in our application and get down to specifics. We've looked at the scale. Uh, Christ is speaking and John is his little text here. Jesus breathing on them is really the scale of all creation is, is in the light. God is making us fountains of living water. Now those fountains of living water are gushing with the peace forged at the cross, peace with God. And that which means translates and entails and results in peace with others, seeking that peace as we seek God. And and uh, but it, it it's much more than that. Some of this you might have heard all this and kind of almost um, have a have a passive view. I, I and I, I want to get away from that because you know if you can a lot of believers and this isn't to those who aren't Christians, but some of you as believers really have come to Christianity to get some good stuff. And you just want to be left alone to do your thing. In other words, Christianity managed your sin problem and your ultimate destiny problem. And you really don't want to, you know, look, that's that's fine. You know, this other piece is fine. I think we tend to have a passive perspective on peace. It's something we receive. And I I even heard, uh, uh, and and in our language, we, we, we do this, you know, like the idea of being peacekeepers versus peacemakers. I think there is a little distinction there. And and the peacemaking is more proactive. And it is the blessing that Christ himself proclaims for us. And when he proclaims the blessing of peacemaking, he points back to himself and says, you will be like me, the son of God. Praise him. Blessed are the peacemakers. And and, and what you see in the light here is, is if you're following the argument, Christ said he was going to send them. So the person of the Holy Spirit is sent, is, 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 uh, is breathed by the person of Jesus. That seals and brings the reality of the peace forged at the cross into even your experience, in your heart. What's that going to result in? Being sent. Movement. In other words, when the, look, if the gospel isn't going out of you, it ain't, it ain't in you. I'm serious about that because you see, if you can bottle the gospel up inside you and keep, just keep peace to yourself and not have to make it with anybody else or make it for anyone else or, or do the work for it. What you've done is you've, you've treated God like that, you know, the, the vending machine, you've gotten what you wanted and you don't have to do, uh, do, do you see how bankrupt this is? Can you see how wicked it is? You see, if you're not making peace, you don't have the true peace of Christ. Like all oh, let's ask this a different way. Let's ask this a different way. Do people come to you? Okay, well, maybe some people come to you. Do people come to you when they're broken and they failed? Do they tell you how badly they screwed up? Do they tell you the terrible things they did? Do they tell you of, of the hopes and the dreams that are broken by their own by their own failures? Do people tell you stuff like that? I want to challenge you. If they don't, it's because you're not giving off peacemaking vibes at some point. Something about you is not advertising, not signaling, not telling, not communicating, not evidencing, not living. You are not making peace around you. 
you know, some of look, look, I, uh, uh, here's, here's what a lot of people's ideas of Christian peace are. They, they have peace hurdles and peace hoops you got to get through. Once you get through this hurdle or you get through that hoop, then I'll be at peace with you. Once you do a certain set of things that I deem, that I deem sufficient to meet my standards, I'll have peace with you. I'll have peace. And, and, and you hear, you know, peace had to be forged. It had to be forged in blood and even in violence, but not our violence and not our blood, not this peace. No, we're not allowed to make standards for peace for others. We're to give them peace anyway. Whether they reject us, accept us, love us, or deny us. And I guess I'm just asking the question. You know, are you radiating peace? Do people find peace in knowing you? Is there something wrong? Is something not, not connecting? Or conversely, there's another false peace that the church has created, and that's homogeneity. You know, if you get enough people that are very similar together, you can have a kind of peace. But it's not God's peace. It's not a peace that's forged in blood that is transcendent and, and amazing and powerful. It's not of the scale and amazing of the breathing of the Spirit, is it? I want to You should be wondering why somebody trusts you so much with their brokenness. And when you start wondering that, you're going to find that without even knowing it, you have become a peacemaker. And people find that with you. Some of you are very critical of others. I've seen it. I've heard it. I know it. Let it not be so with us. But I have a final, the final vision here. The final way I want us to come together is going back to Second Corinthians five. You know, we 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 read this responsibly after our confession of sin. We were given the ministry of reconciliation. But look at this. Isn't this interesting? Look, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. See, Paul seems to be connecting all this stuff between the old creation and the new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. There's that connecting. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the cosmos. That's that back to the nature, even to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, reconciling us to God, trusting us to the message of reconciliation for others, right? They were ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. And then look, he, he actually does it. Then he starts to, he's, look, this is kind of cool. God is making his appeal through us. And then Paul starts appealing. He starts doing exactly what he just said. This is God making his appeal on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. And I just had this image, this vision. I want you to think about this. Have you ever played that? Uh, there was a there was a there was a video game that came out a couple of years ago. Um, I can't remember which which platform it was on, but it's called Katamari. Katamari Darcy. I don't know if you ever saw it. It was a weird little game. Uh, I, I, if you ever get a chance to play it, it's worth. If you ever even look for YouTube videos up on, it's just kind of trippy. And and in the, the 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 theme of this of this odd video game is that you're this something called a katamari is just it's really tiny it's like as tiny as like a little like a little grain of sand and you roll this little thing with your joystick you roll it around and it's sticky and the katamari roll whatever it touches it sticks to it and you roll it around and you first you're picking up like little tacks and you're picking up little tiny things little little grains of sand and and but you see as you pick stuff up you get bigger 
you get bigger. And then and then at the next level, you start picking up little toys and and like uh, and things and hairbrushes and things that are about that size. And then it, it kind of already gets bigger. It starts picking up people and dogs and and chairs. And then it gets bigger. It starts picking up houses and bigger, bigger, bigger. It's kind of it's goofy, right? It's goofy. Goofy. And you're all you're doing in the story, in the story of the game, is rolling this thing around and sticking to stuff to get it bigger. I think that's a great picture. I think it's a beautiful, I think it's a picture of the kingdom. I think we this is one of the uh, what, I, what I'm hoping we will become. We prayed about being a welcoming community a few minutes ago. What are we hoping for there? We're hoping to become sticky. We know, are you a sticky person? Am I sticky? Are we sticky? What does that mean? Is are we part of this idea of the kingdom is God is rolling us around? And I love this idea of Katamari because he's rolling us around and it's completely indiscriminate. I don't believe in target groups or anything like that for, for evangelism. We're called to all men, all men everywhere. And, and and if we target one group, then we're just saying no to another. And so we're just rolling around. And, and the beautiful thing in the kingdom that I would like us to see is that we are that, we're just picking up everything, all kinds of things. I mean, you would be amazed. And I and 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 we, what emerges here is a picture of the kingdom with so much diversity, so much character, so much different stuff, so and so magnetic. That's what the Holy Spirit could create in you and I. And that's what we're praying for. And that's what we're hoping for. And that will be this great work, right, of us being sent. You see, the person of the Son, the person of Jesus, the person of Jesus sends the person of, of the Spirit. The person of the Spirit comes into us and, and brings real peace, lasting, enduring, everlasting peace with God that results in peace with everything else. That then creates a new peacemaker who is sticky. Is your family sticky? Do people want to come back and hang out with you all the time? Are you sticky with Jesus so that people want to be with you because you are so welcoming? You see, I wonder, a lot of us, honestly, I think our vision of the kingdom is, I'm okay with this program. Just don't let those people in my house. Or can we just keep it kind of limited? Can we keep that? I don't want those. uh, This No, all that's wrong. All that's wrong. And I, I, in, in, in this kingdom of our Father, this kingdom of perfect peace, peace be with you, announced and forged in the blood of Jesus and the sound of his voice and, the, and his breath is alive today in us. And I'm praying, I'm hoping for, for, for that work of the Spirit, rolling the Katamari of First Presbyterian Church all over this city to pick up every single thing imaginable. Because we will show the world a peace that it can never forge or hope for. It can't even understand unless it looks into the face of Jesus, the Prince of Peace himself. Let's pray. Dear Father, dear Father, you will keep him in perfect peace. His mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. We we are claiming that promise right right this minute. We're, fix us on you, Father. Holy Spirit, breathe on us. Oops, breathe on us now and and stick to us and make us sticky people and a sticky church. Help us to know the peace that surpasses all understanding. Let the peace between uh, us and you uh, uh, be the, the great joy of our lives and the foundation of so much hope and joy. 
Let your peace be in our mouths, Father. Let us be agents and, and, and makers of peace in our words and our attitudes, in our acceptance, in our love, in our gentleness, in our kindness, in our, in our stickiness, in our availability. What is stickiness but availability is to be with other people? Just down to the very things that we just give us hearts that want these things, Father. And then, 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 then we can give all and bring all glory to Jesus. And that's what we want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. On the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ, he took bread <laughs> and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you, take and eat. And in the same way, after, after dinner, he took a cup of wine, saying, this is the cup of the covenant, my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. Uh, do this and remember me, Jesus said. So then, what is this right here? This is a visible word, a visible metaphor, a visible example, just so you and I can't miss it. This is the peace right here. You see, communion is interesting. We talk about communion. What is in communion, but the word union appropriately, because it's communion, not just with God, but with each other, which is why one of the reasons why you shouldn't be at the table of communion if you hate other people. You know, that's one of the things you have to, we have to be repenting of and turning from, for example. So, you know, it, here, here, this is the living example, <laughs> a living kind of uh, uh, show and tell of every of, of peace, perfect peace in Christ. So I, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, this is your table and this is your, he himself is your peace. And he himself has reconciled you to God and to one another. If that is your peace and your hope, this is your table. Take it and eat it and think on the wonders of God and how he's making you a peacemaker. And if this, if this table makes you sticky, then you've got faith. That's what it's supposed to do. It makes you smell like Jesus and attract people. So um, uh, if you don't have faith, if, if you haven't put your faith in your trust, if you haven't fixed your trust on, remember, he will give him, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on him, right? You have to be fixed on, you have to know him, trust him. If you're not that place yet, don't take this table because this is not just a rite or a ritual. We believe God is truly present. And by faith, the Holy Spirit is breathed. Yes, breathe. That's why we come again and again to this table because we believe the spiritual presence. God breathes in this moment. This is our strength. It's a way of trusting him and, and relying on him. So you see how important it is that if you don't know these things or you don't trust them or believe them or if you're still skeptical, this isn't your table yet. But maybe someday it will be. And finally, if you're just a skeptic and and you, and you and you, and you have a hard time uh, believing these things could be true, maybe they, you think they'd be nice if they were true, but you can't you can't believe it. Then um, then uh, I am hoping that you will envy us, and that you that envy will prick your conscience. So that envy of our joy and peace in Him will will so bother you that you'll 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 do whatever it takes to know Him. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Okay. Um, Let's now proclaim together the mystery of our faith and then, then respond with the Apostles' Creed as a declaration of the content of our faith. Uh, let's proclaim first the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Praise Him.
That is the mystery of our faith. That's proclaim the facts of our faith. What, dear Christian, First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco, I ask you, what do you believe? We believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen.